And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. up everybody i am juice joined by my my co-host bill we are also joined by another uh special co-host this week once again for part two it's bc hunter of wrestling with the truth or currently wrestling with the war how you doing man how's the how's watching the war going <laughs> i'm doing great and thank you very much guys for having me back on the show it's always an honor to, to appear on anybody else's show and uh it's always fun to be on the other side of the uh, microphone and actually not have to do all the uh, the work behind it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we made it nice and confusing for everybody because we have wrestling with the war for the audio podcast and we have wrestling with the truth still for the uh, for the YouTube side of things. So it's uh, it makes it a little bit um, hard for people when you're promoting it, but we figure we might have two separate audiences anyways. But the war is going good. We're slogging through the dog days of 1995 at the moment as if you got were you guys um kind of WCW and WWF fans back in that era, or is that a little bit before your watching days? Definitely before mine. I was born in '97, but it doesn't oh, mean true. I didn't I didn't go back and catch up though. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was born in '95, but um, one of the things I watched most in the pandemic, there were two things that I really watched a lot, and it was uh. One was WCW, trying to watch like old stuff and really get a feel of that, and old Ring of Honor stuff from like the early 2000s. That was like flip flop between those when I was shut inside in my basement, <laughs> not <laughs> being able to communicate, talk, go outside and talk to people. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, for us, like we both lived through it. You know, I was, as we mentioned, I think uh, so 95, I would have been 19 going on 20. Jay would have been, I think. 15 at that point so it was kind of we were like the target audience right that 18 to 49 or whatever they call that that target demo but um you know if anybody remembers the the monday night war right before everybody thinks of nwo and steve austin and all that good times and great stuff but there was also halloween havoc 1995 which uh which we got the honor of doing this past or, or on our newest episode and there's some uh, there's some tough slock to get through at this point. This is the infamous Yete um, pay per view, <laughs> where, where uh, himself and the giant end up doing a kind of a strange homoerotic um, hug fest with Hulk Hogan at the end of the pay per view. So yeah, it wasn't all roses, but it's still fun to go through it because you can just kind of laugh at the stuff that was going on at that point. You see some of the people that you know, of course, became massive stars during the Attitude Era and just the difference with them. You see a guy like Billy Gunn, who's still going strong today, and you, and you see the progression of somebody like that. So it's been fun. It's just hard because you know what's coming, and you're just like, you don't want to, you're trying not to fast forward to that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I know we've done some match reviews, but it was mostly for stuff we've never seen. So I, I'm sure it's almost kind of like hurts a little bit too. It's almost like a spoiler, I guess. Like <laughs> you, you know what's coming and like you know what the payoff for most storylines are. And uh, especially during that time, some of them got pretty zany and wacky, like you were saying. So one question I wanted to ask you is um, obviously, you know, Wrestle With The Truth is, is what you guys... Um, have kind of built and gone off of and now with wrestle with the war 
what was the uh, decision to start going in that new direction with the with the war? Well, uh, I think the biggest thing was we felt like we were a little bit directionalist over the last little while. I mean, there's so much content out there right now with modern wrestling. Uh, there's so many podcasts right now that are doing modern wrestling and doing a fantastic job of it. And it almost started to feel like it was becoming a job to watch the modern product. And um, so for me, I was finding I was I was having trouble keeping up with it, just work, life, all that stuff that goes on. Jay was starting to get bogged down a bit. And it was almost like you'd you'd talk to each other and say, okay, what are we going to talk about this week? And it's like, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll watch the shows really quickly and we'll see what we've got. And we didn't want it to feel like that. We want it to be fun. You know, that's the whole point of doing this. And um, and the other thing is we want to have something where maybe we can get some episodes in the can. So if something comes up life-wise, you know, you, you don't have to worry about being right there for a moment. There's some awesome podcasts out there that are able to, as soon as something happens, they're jumping on doing a live stream, talking about it or whatever. We're never going to be like that. We're just more, we always talk about, we're kind of like the analytical guys. We like, we're kind of like those guys that'll kind of look at the high high level stuff and just talk about the behind the scenes stuff. And it's just, um, we were just, we just felt like it was starting to become a little bit of a job. So we said, well, let's focus on a particular era or something like that. And everybody does attitude era and they talk about all the great stuff that goes on, but we decided, okay, well, let's just go back through the Monday night war and focus on the Monday night war aspect, watch it again, have some fun. Cause we did really enjoy that, that time period. And just see what happens. And I mean, there's lots of content. There's, um, you know, we've got five years worth of podcasts if we really want to, but, or we can switch it up if we want, but just decide to do that. And plus where we have the YouTube channel, we can still talk about modern stuff and things like that, but uh, just don't feel as much pressure to, uh, to always be just glued to the TV, especially, I think it was more so me because I was starting to get a little bit down on the product a bit. And uh, I didn't want that. And I and I didn't want to be uh, negative all the time as far as things that I'm seeing and bringing Jay down as well. So we, we're trying to keep it on the positive. Whereas we see some goofy stuff on this, what we're doing now, but we can just laugh about it because it's just so, so silly, right? That's fair. Sometimes, I mean, I get like that watching like Dynamite, like kind of you lose the shine for it when you're watching it as a, trying to analyze it and like think about what you'll talk about on the pod and stuff like that. I can get tiring sometimes. And um, really the only like current storyline that really yeah. keeps me as a fan is the bloodline thing, but we'll get to that later. Um, I have a question for you about wrestling with wars. So on Monday night wars, we, we, I mean, you already went through some of the big major players and all the names that even people like me and Bill who, we didn't grow up with it, but we know of it and we watch stuff from it later. But what are some of the characters that you liked if it was when you're watching back then or watching now that aren't well known? People like maybe me and Bill haven't even heard of them, like the sleeper guys. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll go back to when like I was watching at the time. It's like literally we're into what um the war started in september we're just finishing off october now so it's the early stages although you do see some things that you you forgot about like for instance like triple h doing his greenwich connecticut snob gimmick versus the game you know and you you think oh the game was so much better but actually as we're watching like we remember back finally like 
actually that gimmick wasn't that bad that snob gimmick especially for the time it worked and it was just something different as opposed to just everybody's tough guy in in by the time 798 rolls around everybody's just in a pair of jeans and their t-shirt they're all going to kick your ass that's how it was back then right whereas there, there was some characters but unfortunately vince just took it so far over the top with what he put in there and then seeing the wcw side you see um you know some of the mvps of of that era like macho man savage like right now through 95 like he's just phenomenal at this point the stuff he's doing and it makes you sit back and go wow vince really made a mistake by trying to take him out of the ring when he did and put him on the announcing and macho didn't want to didn't want to stop wrestling it was just more vince thought they looked too old and stuff Meanwhile, here he is two years later in WCW, and he's just amazing. But um, back to your question about sleepers, for me, um, I, I feel like everybody from that era is known because it felt like everybody was a star back then, which is one of the things that feels like it's missing a bit right now. I mean, people know the wrestlers, but it feels like at least everybody then had a major storyline and something going on, even if they weren't in the main event at that time. I always thought back in that era, I was a big fan of like Hardcore Holly. That was a guy that, that, you know, for me, I thought was, he was, again, just a kick-ass guy. And when you see what he came from in that stupid um, uh, spark plug, Holly, the race car driver gimmick that he had during the mid-90s to what he became in the heart, like, I guess it was the hardcore division at that point. He was a guy I was a big fan of. Um, a guy like Steve Blackman, who, you know, when you realize his, his real story and just how deadly that guy was, he was like a legit you know, whatever he was, karate or whatever, and just he could basically tear apart the whole dressing room. I uh, had an appreciation. I know they're not under the radar, but, you know, all the, all like like the APA guys and stuff. I just like the hard-nosed stuff with that. Um, trying to think on the WCW side. Uh, like, well, it's really cool right now because we're, we're seeing, this is literally the time where they started to blossom into the cruiserweight division. So if you think of it, they were unknowns at the time, but like Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, at that point in 1995, nobody really was familiar with them unless they were like the tape traders or really focused on uh, like uh, AAA or Japan, which guys like me at that time, we weren't too aware. Like we, I, I knew that was going on, but I wasn't getting the tapes or anything like that. But to see these guys in the ring for the first time and see what they were doing, like their matches could just today go on an episode of Dynamite and it'd be just as fast, just even more physical. Uh, one of the things that like myself and Jay, when we were talking, we talked about that you can see where the folks today, especially the AEW side of it, where they got their inspiration from. It was these guys, like just the way they wrestled. But they were they're doing all the stuff that these guys can do, plus some. But what they've it seems like they forgot about was when you watch these matches, these guys sold stuff and they sold it really well. Like they sold the effects of a move. They sold, they, they stay down for a little bit. If uh, the match was going on, you still had like a Benoit still shaking his arm out or Eddie still like clearing the cobwebs and things like that. Whereas guys today kind of forget about that to keep it going throughout the match. So that stuff is amazing. Seeing Brian Pillman become unhinged Brian Pillman. We talk about that is pretty cool because at that time he was, you know, flying Brian and he's just starting to go into the horseman. Um, uh, just seeing like a Johnny B bad who was 
obviously Mark Miro in uh, WWF. And like, if you remember Mark Miro from WWF, he just seemed kind of blah, if you want to put it that way. Sable was the attraction with Mark Miro. But to see how much uh, character he had as Johnny B. Be bad or see Diamond Dallas Page in his early stages when he was what we call a walking gimmick. Like he's just putting everything out there and he's like, something's got to catch on. But what caught on was the fact that he, he worked his, his tail off to become a superstar and he didn't need all that stuff. Like you can see the, the work that he's putting in. That's pretty cool. And as we go further in it, but uh, yeah, just, just stuff like that. But really uh, being Back then, it was getting like for WCW, it was your eyes were open to other types of wrestling, like the cruiserweight stuff, the lucha libre stuff, Japanese stuff, seeing guys that came over from Japan. Whereas the WWF, it just was amazing how everybody became a star. Just everybody, like you knew the whole roster and half the country knew the whole roster at that point. I don't know if that answers your question that well, but it's just, it's interesting to watch it this way. Kind of does kind of answers that there really were no sleepers. It was just everyone's <laughs> big, which is really kind of hard to imagine cons- considering like the climate now, or even like when I was a kid, like watching Ruthless Aggression, like, yeah, that was a popular era of wrestling, but there were still sleepers. There were still guys that weren't getting their flowers or weren't getting pushed in these major, they weren't in like storylines, even though they weren't in the main event, like, so it's hard to imagine that, to be honest, even though I, like I said, I've, I've watched Nitro. Yeah, it's difficult to, because you have to remember when you're watching it that you got to remember, we know what these guys turned into. But at that point, like Steve Austin was the ringmaster, but he was also, it's not fair to him because in WCW, he was really good. Like he was stunning Steve Austin and he was making a name for himself. And then you throw that stupid gimmick on him for, uh, for his entrance into WWF. But you can't think, oh, well, yeah, Austin was always Austin. No, he, he became the biggest star in wrestling. But at that point, he wasn't he wasn't getting anything. But then you see some people that are just, uh, you realize, man, they were over. Like, it's just crazy how over, like, like, say, like a godfather is a good example, right? That dude was over like crazy. He even um, talks about it. Like, he, he didn't need titles or anything like that because the crowd was just so into him. Um, just it was all about the chance and the crowds getting in the the audience participation then on the wcw side you just had these guys that just worked so hard to impress the fans to eventually they did and you ended up with guys that became superstars like guerrero and benoit and malenko and mysterio and all these guys yeah, I was recently listening to an interview with Gangrel, and he that's something that he was saying that's missing in today's climate of wrestling is everybody had a storyline. And I mean, yeah. he was kind of one of those guys, too, where he had the gimmick with the brood and obviously Edge and Christian were very great. But like he was the entrance. The crowd loved the entrance. The crowd loved the vampire gimmick, even though like at that time, it kind of seemed a little cartoonish for the current yeah. landscape of WWE. But uh you know either way he's right like it's and you were right too saying it like they they miss the storytelling aspects and i feel like this is kind of a good transition to talking about the current day landscape of wrestling where you know that that art of storytelling seems to be lost and i know juice alluded to it and you alluded it to it too when talking a little bit offline but in, in terms of aew and even wwe right now like little little turned off from tuning in weekly and i don't know if that's no stories or no characters i mean mjf's a world champion and i've been asking for that for years at this point now but i don't know we've exactly we've it's it's almost like now it's like 
be careful what you ask for. You've got MGF as a world champion, but then who do you have against a, a, a champion's only as good as his opponent? Like look at Roman right now. He's you've got two people that the fans are dying to take the titles off him. That is a dream to have. I know people are like, oh no, it's gonna cut take the steam away from from Cody if Sammy wins, or it's gonna take the steam away from Sammy if Cody wins, but that's a dream to have. It's it you think back to the sorry to go back to the attitude era, but think about that main event picture just in the WWF alone when there was eight legitimate people that would trade the championship back and forth and not because they're playing hot potato with it. It's just, they're so over. Like you had Mick Foley, triple H, Steve Austin, the rock Kane, undertaker, uh, Kurt angle, you know, Brock Lesnar at the end of it, but all these people you could throw the title on and it's a great story. And then he has a fresh opponent to go at it. And, um, you have that right now, like in the WWE, uh, you have, arguably the most entertaining guy in the sport right now with MJF. And he feels like he's just so far above everybody at the moment. And you need to bring somebody up to him. And that's kind of what WWE was going on. was happening in the WWE with the whole Roman thing. I know people will say, Oh, Roman's this or that, or he's not that great, or he doesn't defend the title enough and stuff like that, but he was on another level and you needed to bring, you need to bring people up to him, which is what you're now having and think about who's waiting in the wings like like a seth rollins or maybe even an austin theory who eventually is going to get there and um i'm right now i'm i'm not seeing it as much in aew and i feel bad for for uh mjf because it's this guy's doing masterwork in his character um he li- he lives he's living the kayfabe as we all asked for that and um i just worry that the fans are going to turn and or, or even Tony turn and say, well, we're not getting the results or we're not getting the viewers or whatever. And it's not really his fault because you got to have that hot feud. You got it, it's it's you're only as good as your opponent. If you don't have the opponent, who what are you gonna go wrestle yourself or something? Yeah, I think part of it's the booking with that. I think they did the Ricky MJF match way too early. And I also think they didn't give enough time because I think Ricky could have been that guy. And then they're like, give him the match, and then we're going to put him in a feud with Chris. Chris will elevate him. But I think that's having the opposite effect. I think it's dragging Ricky down instead, yep. which is weird to think that being in a feud with someone like Chris Jericho would do that. But in how they're presenting it, it is. I'm not really interested in it. I'm not really interested in seeing Andretti and Ricky Starks versus the JS. It's not appealing to me. It's not appealing to a lot of people. And you're right. MJF needs a guy. Ricky Starks could have been that guy, but they did it too soon. Eddie can be that guy, but they're not really uh, the dancer on Eddie doing other stuff. And then, yeah, I think they need to figure it out and do what you said that WWE has done. They elevated guys to that level. And I think Tony, I think Tony needs to bring in help with booking. I think he needs to bring yeah. some experienced hands. I mean, he does have some, but I think he needs some guys who not experienced wrestlers, but experienced writers, experienced mm-hmm. backstage guys. He had one with Regal. <laughs> he should have done everything to fight for him, but Regal, you know, he wanted to be with his son. So that's understandable enough. But um, yeah, I think Tony just needs help with the booking because He's still new, and I think he overestimates himself sometimes. What, you don't think Jeff Jarrett is going to go and turn around the AEW product like he did with Global Force Wrestling Juice? Come on. <laughs> no, but well, it's also like Jarrett's like wrestling. <laughs> like if he was not being Jay Lethal's tag partner, it just seems like he can't 
be booking and wrestling at the same time it's tough to do that i mean i know it's been done but people put on the indies do it all the time but this isn't the indies this is the tv company and it doesn't really seem like jarrett's really guys hand and creative that much right now yeah it feels like he's actually just a wrestler at this point i i would say that jarrett's does have the mind for i mean his father rest in peace jerry who just passed away this week but i mean that guy was a brilliant booker and uh you know, Jarrett's picking up from that, but it it all comes down to is Tony listening to those guys? And uh, I don't know about you guys, but maybe I'll ask you, does it feel like they're really, really heavy with heels, but there's not really good faces at the moment to go against these heels? Or is it just me? No, I agree with you. They're they're oh, they're turning the baby faces in the tweeners. And I, yes. as much as I love a good tweener, when you're having Hangman and Mox, two guys who can be your huge baby faces and you're turning them into tweeners that are trying to like brutalize each other. And Eddie Kingston's a tweener too. I mean, yeah. Like you said, there's no baby face when you do that. As cool as a tweener can be mm-hmm. when you can't turn, when you have zero baby faces, you should probably not do that. Yeah. Yeah. You're good to have one tweener. Cause that's, that's the guy that's kind of, Playing both ways, but if everybody's a tweener, then then yeah, who do you cheer for at this point? Yeah, and even Danielson is like that too. I mean, coming before the MJF stuff, it seemed like he was going more towards like a darker, more brutal side, more heel side. And then now you have him going through the trials and tribulations that MJF puts some of his toughest pu- opponents through, and he's overcoming them. Great, you know, great. But it's Brian freaking Danielson. Like, you don't need to prove to me that Daniel Bryan needs to have these crazy matches, do these crazy stipulations. And granted, I'm very interested in to see what a 60-minute Ironman match between him and MJF is because I think that's going to be a very big test to MJF's in-ring ability. But it's still like, how am I supposed to believe like Daniel or Brian Danielson is going to be the baby face, especially when MJF, like you're saying, it's it's just seems so, so strangely timed right now and there really is just no baby face. as you were saying I'm, I'm running the list through my head and sure there's some but none that are at the level of mjf and all i'm thinking is i mean wwe has the two whitest hottest baby faces in professional wrestling in their roster right now yeah. and and i think this is a good little transition to talk about uh just kind of storylines building into wrestlemania and i think these are kind of the two biggest right now from wwe's hands with Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble, which I think is absolutely deserved. Cody has worked his tail off, gotten to this point, and I think absolutely earned it. But then you have Sami Zayn, who also has killed it, has been easily for the last six to nine months the reason why I'm tuning into WWE. The Bloodline stuff, the second him and Roman had that first backstage interaction, I remember coming on the podcast and being like, this story is special. This gives me the rock McFoley vibes, you know, like this just gives me vibes of this ultra mega heel who is on a completely different level, has this plucky young, not young, I I shouldn't say same as young, but plucky kind of underappreciated guy who has not really seen too much time in the limelight come in, form this like incredible bond, this almost like family like bond. And he legitimately became family at some point. (laughs) <laughs> and you know now now it's all he has crossed the line he struck roman with the chair got beat up and now he's coming out with these white hot promos and i, I know we alluded it to a little bit earlier but uh you know 
at the elimination chamber, we have Roman versus Sammy coming up, but I, I just feel like they're playing a dangerous game right now. Like I, I don't know what they're going to do. I wish they just did it where Sammy took one belt and Cody took the other belt and they both just went their separate ways. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I, I honestly, I don't think they're, I, I don't feel like they're playing the dangerous game. I think they're doing a fantastic job because everybody thought there was going to be the split for the bloodline and Sammy just goes and that's it. But look at how many other intriguing stories we still got boiling right now. We've got the Jey Uso situation. We've got Jimmy situation. we got Heyman with those two. You got Roman and, um, and Solo. Uh, you got all these different things and that's, that's the sign of a really good stable and a really good storyline. When you now have multiple things going on that can break away from this whole thing. I myself, I, I don't want to see Sammy beat Roman for the title. And, and it's just, I don't think Sammy needs to beat Roman or he doesn't need to be the title. Sammy's a unique character. And you brought up a good one with uh, Mick Foley, similar, similar thing, but he's, he's a character upon himself right now where he can be slotted into different things. Like the funniest thing is name me one Sammy match over this whole bloodline thing. That's memorable to you. Nothing, right? Like, I mean, the only thing I can think of is when he stepped in in the uh, tag team title defense, but yeah, you're right. And that was just I can name one, but okay, you're right, you're right. Well, when I say I can name one, it just happened while he's in the bloodline, like, it wasn't really part of the story, so it's kind of me cheating. But, um, he had this match on TV, it was like Raw, I think, with Matt Riddle. This part of the storyline, it was him like trying to earn the trust of like Jay still and little headbutting stuff leading in the survivor series i remember that was a great match and they get, kind of gave him a lot of tests and like these single matches it was right in the beginning of triple h's like run and Sami Zayn was getting these single matches like almost weekly and he was impressing me weekly i'm like this is a guy i think could be trusted in the main event well i mean i've thought that before but he kind of just confirmed it with me again <laughs> And I, I get you on that. And they, they had to have some matches with him. But honestly, like even if you had two or three good matches, what you remember about Sammy right now is everything outside of that, like the backstage stuff, the in-ring stuff, the way he's gotten his character over, the stuff he's done saving members of the bloodline. I love the whole trial thing where Jay brought up that video with uh, with all the times that he did put his body on the line. That was That was great. You don't even realize how many different things that he did. Um, so that's what I mean. Like he's gotten himself over in the best way possible where he doesn't have to brutalize his body. Where as you look at some other guys that are doing death matches or something, sure they're over with the fans, but their, their, their career is going to be about two more years. And that's it because of what they're doing to themselves where Sammy, he literally is, he's golden right now. Cody, on the other hand, has to have those matches. He has to, he had to have that feud with Seth Rollins to, to really put his stamp on, being a WWE guy versus the AEW guy that's coming in, which he did a great job of. It's unfortunate the timing of his injury. It just that's the way it goes. He's the guy that needs the belt. Sammy doesn't. But as long as Sammy doesn't get pushed out of that spotlight, as long as you keep him in there, buddy, buddy, with with the top guys. Um, uh, Jim Cornette brought it up on on um, his podcast where he said that that right after this whole situation happened with, with Sammy splitting off and Cody winning the rumble, he said, they got to go on raw 
and or sorry, it was right after Sammy uh, had that beautiful one-on-one with Heyman in the ring. That was a fan again, a fantastic promo, right? But he said they got to go on Raw, and Cody has got to be buddy buddy and cheering him on because the fans will turn on Cody because of it, which is exactly what they did. They had that great segment on this Raw, and uh, so but Cody's the guy that needs the belt because it. He's the one. His his thing was this quest for this belt. Whereas Sammy, that was the belt was nothing. He his quest was to be part of the of the bloodline and be part of the family, which is what he got right. So, but he didn't quite get it. He didn't become a finally become an USO. So, it's interesting how it goes. So I'm okay with Sammy not winning the belt. Cody kind <clears> of <throat> excuse me. I feel like has to win the belt. Although again, if he doesn't. I mean, Roman still being the dominant champion. I know people are hating it, but it's just, it makes for an interesting thing. And every time somebody's going against him, it's now is like, is this the person that's going to take it? Is this the person? Like, think about even like Logan Paul. Nobody thought that match was going to be any good. And look at how good that match was because everybody's like, is he actually going to beat him? <laughs> is he going to take the title? That's what happens. Kind of like the back in the day when like a Hogan was champion, is who's going to finally beat him? That kind of stuff. So, it's it's um they are blessed they they have two as you say white hot baby faces right now it's hard to get one white hot baby face it's easier to get a white hot heel than it is to get a white hot baby face and have two in your hands that's that's amazing i don't know if it's just dumb luck or if it's just brilliant storytelling but they did fantastic with it i'll give them a a mix of both on that one but you know what after hearing your opinion and your thoughts on it i I think you're right actually i'm 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 a little bit more comfortable with the situation that they're putting us through as fans right now and like you said i'm I'm excited to see what kind of is ending up being the culmination of at least Sami Zayn's side of the story um i i know we've talked about it at length in podcasts like Sami Zayn is one of those underrated underutilized guys and to see him finally be in the main event get the spotlight get his flowers has just been awesome so awesome and uh, you brought up Logan Paul and it made me think about, uh, I remember I told my friend a story about um, Logan Paul, like just the first time he came to WWE and he's like, oh, Logan Paul is going to be a world champion someday. I was like, he's be lucky to even fight for the title. Literally three weeks later, he's fighting for the title and has this <laughs> incredible match, like it, one that just absolutely stunned me as a fan. And I remember texting my friend and being like, yeah, so I'm dumb. Uh, Logan <laughs> just put on a banger uh like and and now he's feuding potentially with seth rollins i mean he eliminated him from the royal rumble it seems like he's living in seth's head rent free from some seth's promos on raw and i'm excited for that match too i think that'll be a wrestlemania match especially in la and i think that's going to be a show stealer if it ends up being on the card i agree i think anything that logan paul's involved with right now is becoming a show stealer he's whether he, I don't know if he'll become a world champion, but I remember back when we were doing the same thing, we were having all these episodes and people were talking about Crown Jewel and they were just crapping all over the fact that Logan Paul's even in this match. I remember I kept saying, this is going to be an amazing match. He's going to put on one heck of a performance. And they keep forgetting Roman's actually good. I know people think he's not that great. Roman is fantastic because he knows how to control a match right now. It's Everybody says his matches are slow. No, he works the crowd. He works the drama to the point that you, he doesn't need to do that all that fancy stuff. But then you get a guy like Logan Paul who now can jump in there and do all this amazing stuff and, and blow your mind with that. It just makes it star making right now. He's, he's Roman's almost got like the golden touch at this time. 
And yeah, and Seth Seth Rollins and Logan Paul will be fantastic, by the way. I really do hope they go that route with it. Yeah, I, I do too. Is is there any other uh, WrestleMania matches you're hoping to see? I know you said you haven't been following too tightly, but well, yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as what's going on, um, I really do want, so here's going back to the Sammy thing. What I want to happen is I, I'm kind of hoping for Jay to kind of screw over Sammy at Elimination Chamber so he keeps his heat. Uh, he doesn't look weak. I don't want Roman to stomp him. That's the only thing that's going to be a problem here, as we talked about with the, the Sammy dilemma. You need Jay to do something to screw him over, which leads to Kevin Owens and Sammy challenging for those tag team titles. To me, that's that's almost a main event matchup between those two teams. It's a that you get Sammy and Kevin win those titles. It's a it's a mania moment. It's it's elevating the tag titles, and then you still you still have storylines with Jay and and uh, and Roman later on where you can break that off. I mean, the whole reason they're just doing this thing for. Uh, for uh, elimination chambers because Jimmy can't go to Canada. Right? <laughs> he's uh, he's not allowed because of the DUI. So that's the problem there. So they have to write off some way, but I, I'd like to see some way that, that there's a screw job or something like that. And then, and then you have, um, then you have that tag team match for mania. I think that's, that's a star making performance there for them. And it's going to be just as sweet for them to win those tag titles as, as it would be for Sammy to take the title off Roman. Um, I, I would like to see, um, uh, I was hoping to have Bianca versus Rhea from, from the women's side of it, but I'm okay with Rhea Charlotte because it's, it's a play it back to the previous WrestleMania that they wrestled at. Um, so now I'm kind of, I don't know who to go for, for the, for the Bianca title, but I'm kind of hoping for Asuka. I just, I've always enjoyed Asuka as far as, as her character and now she's kind of freshening up again with the whole insane oscar kana character from japan um yeah and now we're just kind of fleshing things out i have a feeling i don't know about you guys i feel like they're going towards a mma fight for bobby and bobby lashley and brock lesnar are you feeling like that might be a possibility i think it's a possibility especially way it's been heading and it seems like I, I don't know i know they were supposed to be in elimination chamber but bobby didn't sign the contract so are they pushing the mania and if they are then yeah maybe it will be and may fight maybe they'll do what seth rollins and matt riddle did that like fight pit match which they did in nxt a couple times yeah. too because that was kind of supposed to be like an mma inspired match maybe a little head with that with the two of them which would be interesting but yeah i think i think it is gonna go the mma route because it kind of points kind of seems reminiscent of how they built up uh kane velasquez and brock which was supposed to be a mma fight and then it was like two minutes long because kane was hurt so i couldn't do the match but uh we'll see <laughs> yeah. but i actually do agree with you i think that's where they're heading now that now that you put them ahead i'm like yeah that makes perfect th- sense i mean they're both big successes in the mma world two big uh monster men and this is their third and final match you gotta make it a little bigger up to stakes you can't just do a normal match you gotta you know end the trilogy on this on a brutal note 
Yeah, I, I I think that's actually a really good point too. No, yeah, like you said, the first thing I thought of was Fight Pit. So mm-hmm. it'd be cool to see at WrestleMania. Uh, it, it's something different and unique, a first time ever. And I think both those guys definitely earned that at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, Juice, uh, I don't know about you, but I think that uh, BC is personally one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on. And you are <laughs> part of the two-timer club too, which is a very rare thing around here, especially for our wrestling guests. Um, so we just want to say thank you again so much. And uh, of course, I know we've talked about the shows a few times throughout uh, this episode, but we like to obviously let our guests plug promote things they have going on at the end of it. So uh, with that, the floor is yours. Oh yeah. Well, again, I'm, I won't spend too much time on it. It's just wrestling with the war on any of your auto podcasts um, and wrestling with the truth on YouTube. Uh, so just head on over there. Feel free to subscribe uh, a little bit behind, put some stuff up, but we're going to get back onto that uh, on uh on Twitter, it's WWTT Pod if you want to get us, or Instagram on uh, on Facebook, it's Wrestling with the Truth on the Facebook page. But otherwise, just um, more so, I want to promote you guys. People, please come subscribe to to these guys on Twitter. Come subscribe to their podcast. Support them. This is a great show that you guys put on. Really enjoy. I really enjoy coming on to this show, and it's a always a pleasure when you uh, when you invite me on. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, thank you very much for having me on this. Of course, of course, BC. It's as always a pleasure and same to you. We love sharing, promoting what you guys have going on on all forms of social media. Very interested to see what you guys do at Wrestle With The War. And um, I know at least I'll be following it closely. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> as am I. I already started listening to the first one today. I'm going to keep, uh, I think I'm going to start watching along with you guys too. Just, you know, oh yeah, <laughs> or try to, I mean, time's tight, but I definitely kind of, I've never watched them like head to head before. So I'd, I'd like to do that and listen to you guys at the same time. I think that'd be a fun exercise. I mean, that's the point, right? Mm, yeah. Maybe we can forewarn you about some of the bad episodes. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to see the bad too. Cause I mean, when you go back and rewatch it, like then 2020, I watched the highlight matches or the highlight episodes. So I kind of want to see the bad. I kind of want to see the wacky because uh, that stuff cracks me up too. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is definitely some of that, but uh, yeah, it's all good. It's, it's, it's fun just to laugh at some of that stuff. And uh, boy, Halloween Havoc 95. I'll just suggest that for anybody. <laughs> They want to see the peak of uh, it's it's so funny because uh, sorry to keep going on, but they WCW had some great momentum going on at that point, and then this kind of just killed it. <laughs> it's like which they seem to be good at, they seem to have momentum go with the TV show, and then they just sub their foot with these pay per views. So, um, I'm sure that that trend will continue for a while. It's almost like you might know, almost like you lived it, almost, <laughs> almost. <laughs> Well, BC, thank you again so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. 